Ace Podcast. Reality, my pet, is punk road at 5pm and dinner parties for the right people are making a whole lot of bread. There's her own word, you bastard. It's reality screwing the neighbours and murdering the unborn. You prick. You were so damn hot for me, do you push Mark and me together? And then you bellow like a wounded tomcat when the whole grotty plan backfires in your face. It wasn't murder. Why didn't you tell me right away? It was none of your business. You think I'd agree to having it destroyed? Nothing was destroyed. You said it cried. Those were your words. Oh, stop it! You pig! I'd rather sleep with Mark's dog than sleep with you again. Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Blame me instead of yourself. I didn't want it. Me. Me. I love kids. Black Rum Podcast presents Long Weekend. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from NewsDeadWorld.net. I'm joined with my co-host Martin. How's it going? He's here every time. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't have the show without him. Uh, and today, we're talking about uh, When Nature Attacks film. I, I like saying it like that, the genre. It's not, I mean, in general, you wouldn't say a When Nature Attacks film, but kind of grammatically incorrect, but I, I like calling it that because it's fun. The inspiration of early Fox TV shows. That's right, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, when it, they used to do those in the mm-hmm. 90s. What what were some of the ones, like, it was just like, like when animals, when animals attack, yeah. and, you know, they had the specials on, like, you, you don't want to miss next week's when animals attack, too. I love, actually, though, that was a fun time. That was, <laughs> I forgot about that until now when you said that, but that was a fun time. I, I, I'll admit I was tuning in for those. Like, fuck, that guy just got bit by an alligator. Doesn't it make you miss like real TV and. Yeah, it does. But at the same time, that's why we have Reddit and that, that's why we have the internet and live leak so that you can watch as a man gets chomped down by an alligator. I read an article about that. Actually, there's a guy who was, it was, you know, one of those guys that was, like, doing something stupid and, you know, he, he got eaten by an alligator. And then, you know, obviously there was video of it because they were filming it at the time. And so, like, that guy's entire death was, like, filmed and broadcast to millions of people who just now watch it and say, what an asshole that guy was. But at the same time, they wrote an article about, like, how your family deals with that after. Like, now you're a spectacle on the internet. In a pretty tragic scenario, I mean, yeah, you're being an idiot, but... At the same time, you still died and got eaten by a crocodile or an alligator, so that's kind of shitty. So it's kind of funny, yeah, but uh, When Animals Attack is a pretty fun genre. Um, you know, you would put, like, that. it's kind of uh, stretching the boundary of, like, what horror really is. Because when you think about it, sometimes those creature features aren't, I wouldn't consider them technically horror. They're more of, like, sometimes more of, like, a realistic, like, this could potentially happen scenario. Yeah, I think it all depends on how it's handled. Yeah, like, would you consider Jaws a horror film in the sense, in like the same sense as like Halloween or? Yeah, you do. You put it in the same Jaws, category. Jaws is a horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, Godzilla is not right. 
Um, that's a kaiju film. It's a, I know, but it's yeah. also a creature feature. Yeah. I mean, like, so, whereas, like, Swamp Thing, sci-fi, but it's also a horror film. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think it all depends on the tone and yeah. the mood yeah, of the I film. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think that definitely Jaws is right there because of, like, all the suspense that it builds and stuff. It's not, like, a, a really factual encounter with, like, a shark. It's like, well, there's a shark out there. We're going to study it and you know it's it it, it ate a person but we're gonna study it and hunt it down it's what i can't say you can't you can't call jaws not a horror film just because of a generation of people it's scared the living hell true. out of from going into the water and and basically all of those like monster films that you watch too are technically creatures just the same as a shark we just know about sharks boogeyman monsters could be out there we don't know about them so I guess I I consider like animal attack films horror films, but I know that some people kind of they don't have that same mindset. Like, oh, that's not really a horror film. It's like, well, yeah, kind of it. I I think so anyway. Just want to get your take on it. Like, we're talking today about Long Weekend, the nineteen seventy eight um, Aussie picture, um, an exploitation film, so, sort of. Um, and in that one, it's a, it's about a couple who goes off on like a, a vacation to this secluded beach area in Australia, and uh, there they encounter a whole bunch of wild animals. And that's really the gist of the film throughout most of it is like there's a lot of wild animals around, and they're kind of like wary of what's happening around them. So in this case, do you consider Long Weekend a horror film? Yeah, yeah. It's it's. It, I would say it's m- leans heavier towards a thriller. Yep. Um, but it's also horror in the in the way. Yeah. It's horror. It's it's lean. It's like it's a good mix of being like a suspenseful thriller and how it builds up and paces things and how it's a, a very slow build. Yep. And we'll talk about it all a lot more in depth. As we get into but the also at the review. same time, with like the stings and how they kind of music Synth stings scores. and score and the way they kind of present things to you, it's very much in vein of a horror film too. So it's a, it's a good mix. And when I was reading online, one of the uh, films that also that we reviewed before on the podcast that came out around the same time was Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yep. Um, it's good that they brought that. Uh, what I was reading brought that up because I do see some, you know, characteristics between the two and how things are paced and how they're mm-hmm. and how they, you know, handle both the suspense and horror aspect of the films. Absolutely. Um, I mean, have you seen Liam Neeson's The Gray? No, I have wanted to though. It's a good film, but like, I think it's um interesting to bring it up as a juxtaposition as like that's a film all about him being out in the wilderness yeah. with a bunch of wolves. But at the same time, I would definitely not consider that a horror film because the the scenarios, the aspects of it just do not mesh with like how a horror film is structured and paced. Uh, in that, I would say that's more of like an action slash adventure film uh, just because of all of the things that happen falling off trees and cliffs and stuff like that. Uh, less so like a horror film where wolves are attacking and like, you know, there's 
it's a survival against the the wolves. It's yeah. more more so survival of man, yeah, rather than the, the actual. Well, when I, when I saw the trailers for the gray, I didn't think it was a horror film. Right, exactly. I, yeah. yeah. No, I'm just. I just. I think it's interesting sometimes to bring up those ideas of like where genre comes together and where like this, where you come up with and you say, well, no, this is definitely not a, a, that type of film. Um, like I would call, I guess I would call the gray a creature. No, no, I, I actually wouldn't. <laughs> I was, I was going to say I would, but then now thinking about it, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, it's definitely a, when animals attack film though, I would say that, but I wouldn't say it's like a creature feature in the same sense that I do consider long weekends a sort of creature feature. It's not just one one animal. There's many. It's nature. That's right. It's nature. Yeah. And we'll talk about that too, but it's also got a sort of supernatural feel to it, which may or may not appeal to certain people like you, who you you were not super thrilled with the <laughs> the actual aspect of there being some sort of supernatural hold on the, the characters or like a nature having having power over these people but it's in there so we'll talk about it a little bit later um before we do that though before we get into long weekend and the beers that we're drinking uh, i want to take a moment um to do a little bit of a tribute in honor of one of our one of my fellow horror bloggers uh who passed away um not too long ago um from a battle with cancer uh, very sad story. Uh, you know, he had been, uh, he'd had it for quite a while and, uh, really, you know, was always upbeat about it. Very, very much outspoken about his cancer and, and, you know, what was going on in his life. Um, really great horror blogger, really influential, um, to everyone. So that was James Harris. Uh, he was doc terror as his uh, nickname. He ran DocTerror.com. He also did, um, horror sexy, uh, as well, which I had helped write for at one point. Um, and he did, you know, tons of other stuff like podcasting, um, and just a great person within the horror community. So just wanted to, uh, pay our respects to, to James Harris and his family. And, uh, we're wishing them all the best and really, really sad story. And, um, honestly, we're going to miss him. So, um, here's to you, Doc Terror, raising a beer right now to you and, you know, Thanks for everything that you did for the horror community. And um, just so you know, there's going to be a lot of different uh, fundraisers and things for his family. Um, I know Vinegar Syndrome right now, which is a a horror Blu-ray company uh, releasing lots of great horror films. Um, They're doing a fundraiser. uh, It's a silent auction. So you can write into them and uh, you put in a bid. They're giving away um, all of their new releases from May through the end of the year that you get for your, your silent auction bid. It's over a thousand dollars worth of uh, films and, and, um, merchandise. So you can uh, send that off to them. Uh, you're putting your silent bid and whoever's the highest bidder will win that. And, uh, all of that money goes to the Harris family. And, uh, we're also, we also did a little poster, um, commemorating doc terror, James Harris. So, uh, that's in the works as well. So keep an eye out for that. And there's also going to be a huge, like, uh, contest giveaway, raffle style um where a lot of people donated to it and uh they're giving away a lot of a lot of cool stuff so keep an eye out for that on uh facebook and everything if you follow a lot of the horror bloggers in the in the uh, sphere so so that's that let's get into some beer talk um today you brought a beer that we've never featured a, a, a brand that we've never featured on the podcast 
Yeah. It's a beer I never had, a uh, brand that I never had. You've never before. had them before. I've had one before, uh, one or two. I actually, I think I've had two because I, th- I know I've had the Purple Haze, and I know I've had their IPA. Don't remember exactly what that one is called, but when you hear Purple Haze, you think Abita, and that's exactly what we have today. But we don't have the Purple Haze or anything uh, like that. You brought the Creole Cream Ale. Yeah. And I've never seen it around before. Uh, never had I, a, never had a chance to try it. Neither have I. That's why I got it. Yeah. Um, as I was telling you, I went to one of the stores I don't, usually don't go to to get beer, but I do go there sometimes because they do have a pretty good selection of stuff that um, some other beer stores around here don't have. And originally, I was going to get something from Cooperstown Brewer, which uh, will definitely be featured on here sometime in the near future because. We are both baseball fans as well. Go Yankees! That's right. Um, so, and a lot, and all their beer is baseball themed because obviously the Hall of Fame is in Cooperstown, New York. Yep. Which um, we've been to. Been there, I think. Had to go in there basically because it was pouring when that, we were there yeah, that well, one time. That, yeah. Well, that was it. Was we still wanted to go? <laughs> yeah, in, we but, wanted to go, but, but I mean, it but, made it even easier <laughs> to go to at that point. But um. Which, if, if, you, if you've never been to Cooperstown, I would suggest going to Cooperstown. Cool, quaint town. Not just because, of the, even if you don't like baseball. No, you don't because, have I mean, to like if you, Obviously, if you love baseball, it's going to be something to be to go to because it's got the Hall of I Fame. I mean, that's everything around there is very much baseball themed. Yeah. You know, you've got like Louisville, Louisville Slugger uh, Store, base, yeah. baseball bat stores and stuff like that. You've got um, Doubleday Field, which is really yep. cool. Uh, they play a lot of games on there. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's, it's one of my, it's one of my favorite towns just too, cause it's so, like you said, it's quaint, it's nice. It's At a got, nice cafe there, I remember. Yeah, they, um, it's got that great late 19th century feel with all like the brick buildings mm-hmm. and it's what our town was. Yeah, it should be if it didn't become you know, run down. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm imagining if... They didn't have the Hall of Fame there. It would have suffered the same fate as all of them. And I'm a ma- of, and, of all the cities. And I'm a gang now. Because yeah. I'm a gang's out there too. Which is the big, bur- they're probably their most well-known brewery out there. Because there are quite a few out in Cooperstown. Yeah. Cooperstown being an, uh, one of them. Which we, we have uh, reviewed Alma Gang on here before. And we've said plenty of times we've gone there. I have never been there for a brewery tour. Mm-hmm. But we've been there several times for concerts. Um. But Cooperstown Brewery's out there too, and they all their beers are got some kind of baseball theme, like backyard IPA or Old Slugger Porter. Yeah. So I was thinking about getting one of those, but then I saw out of the corner of my eye when I was getting ready to grab one that there was a cream ale by Abita, mm-hmm. and I decided to go with that because, as you all know by now, cream ale is probably one of my favorite styles of beers out there. And I think it's a very rarely done beer, which is a shame, because it's a great style, and it's a unique American style. So I decided to go with, pick that six-pack up instead, mm-hmm. and this is a very good beer. Yeah, surprisingly, well, I guess not surprisingly, because all of Abita's beers that I've had are, have been pretty good. And like um, I said, I've never had one. I do know... I, d- I do have a, a, an admiration for him because I do remember when Budweiser went like a couple of years ago. It's like three, t- 
three or four years ago when they went on that like oh you know for this their craft su- beers like yeah. you know slamming craft beer they were going on like their uh, for their Super Bowl ads saying like we don't make pumpkin pear peach beer you know we make American beer and then Abita shortly after that was like huh funny we make that beer and people seem to like it. And it's funny, cause, and they made that in response, too, because recently at that time, too, they were just bought out by Anheuser-Busch. Yeah. So that was, like, to me, that was, like, hilarious. It's like, yeah, you took Anheuser-Busch's money, and now they basically tell them to go fuck themselves, but... I, um, I, I like this beer quite a bit. Um... It's, it's unique for a cream ale. It, it is. It's definitely got a noticeably more hoppier taste to it than most of your cream ales. Most cream ales are more malty and more crisp. This one, as you said, I said it's got like a more hoppy characteristic, but as you described it, it's got definitely a drier finish. Yeah, I, th- what makes this the Creole cream ale is because they add um, Louisiana-grown uh, Blanca Isabel purple rice, and that gives it that dryness to the end of it. And I really, I, that does come out, like I was, I was joking, you know, generally, I don't associate like, oh, you know, this hop is from this region yeah. so much, um, or like this this malt is from you know this area. I don't. I guess my taste buds just aren't that good <laughs> to do that. But but in this case, with like the Creole cream ale, I definitely think that that Louisiana style purple rice that they're adding to it is definitely giving it that dryness towards the end of the the well we're in the perfect comparison for like a difference or a jenny cream ale the adjunct in that's corn mm-hmm. just like obviously with uh regular jenny the adjunct in it's corn so with that you definitely get instead of a drier ta- a sweeter, sweeter. yes yeah, like a corn sweetness yeah. to it. So, so the yeah no the, you're right that you can tell when you're drinking this that it definitely has a difference to it than say like a jenny cream ale yeah no i like that dryness though i think i think it 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 helps distinguish this one this this cream ale so it's really good i definitely get it again you got it in a six pack yeah i don't know if they haven't yeah i don't know packs. if they do or not either um, um it's the only one actually that they had there too so that's i've never seen it before so it's really interesting you know i try to look for new stuff like that um because really we don't Besides the Purple Haze and some, like, a couple other Abita uh, beers, we don't, like, get a lot of those around here anyway. Like, I've only I've never, I don't seen, really ever see a pack of Abitas. I've never seen a 12-pack. I've only no. seen six-packs. I've seen the yeah. Purple Haze, this, and I think it was, like, that pumpkin, like, that weird beer that they made fun of. Mm. And that's all I've seen, so. Yeah. And I think that was that world of beer when that was still, you know, a thing before mm-hmm. that got closed down for no reason. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely check out this and more beat up beers. Uh, we just don't have yeah. many around here to choose from. Purple Haze is also really good. Uh, it's a raspberry beer, um, and that's really. I mean that that only appeals to you if you really like those types of like fruit beers. But yeah. but uh, I I think it's a really good beer as well. So um, check it out. Try, try to find this Creole Cream Ale. Um, now I'm that, imagining say- that this is probably out for the spring slash summer season. It is because because of the crispness and you know they even make it a point to say how good it would be for you know like a warm day warm yeah. crisp refreshing beer so i'm i'm imagining it's out probably for like spring summer but if it isn't really no but if it is a staple beer then props to them and that's, that's a, right and that's a great thing yeah um the other thing that we had 
you had today. I've had I had previously because I got I picked up the uh, Saranac uh, summer pack, which is out now. Let, we're three weeks in the spring, folks, and the yep. summer packs. Right, as I was telling Ryan, where I got this beer, the place they had stacks upon stacks of Sam Adams Porch Rocker out already. Mm-hmm. Which, as much as I like the Porch Rocker, I don't want to touch that right now. No, especially now that we're going to have a week straight of rain. Yeah, <laughs> a little shandy today. Fifty and you know a week no. of rain. Yeah, so. yeah. I, you know what I'd be doing? I'd be sitting by my pellet stove drinking a shandy. <laughs> Is it, it just doesn't. <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't mesh well together, I guess, right now. You it know, seems like Fresh as Hell's has only been out for like three weeks. Yeah. And actually, I like that beer. But I did not I care. Like it. It. I don't Dude, know. It tasted like a weakened lo- Boston lager with none of that orange blossom that mm. they said. But the one that I got, so I got a Saranac uh, Summer Pack, and uh, they got, actually got some good stuff in there. Uh, obviously, they have their Gen 4 IPA, which is, it seems like they're throwing that into everything now. Sorry, that or the Legacy. Yep. Um, they've also got their Belgian-style beer, um, which I think is pretty good. Um, they have um, their regular Summer Pills, which I'm drinking right now. I think it's good. This is really refreshing. Nice uh, Pilsner that is not really that common for Saranac uh, to make a Pilsner. Um, so I think we reviewed it actually last year. I believe year, we and probably and did. I think yeah. we said we prefer it more than Sam's. So yeah, right. we do. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And then, um, it's also got the tropical IPA, tropical storm, tropical storm IPA, which, um, I think is very good. Um, normally, you know, you, you don't get, I don't get super excited for an IPA in a pack because they're generally very similar, but in this case, it is a very, it's a good beer. It's, it's different enough to make it stand out from the rest of the IPAs. I think what's, what makes it Does it have mango in it? Mango, guava, and, uh, yep. Citrus. Yeah. I, I think that mango and guava really comes out. Wherein some sometimes that is there's other uh, brands that make tropical IPAs. Um, one of them being Sierra Nevada, which I had recently at the beer fest. That one did not have a standout mango flavor to it. Whereas with Serenex, this one really does. The mango does come out. There's yeah. very clearly that citrusy, fruity flavor oh, to this. Some, somewhat a little bit pineapple too. Yeah. yeah so. That that really comes out and makes that tropically. Whereas when I had Sierra Nevadas and I this, I was already, you know, probably 10 beers in at that point. But I did not really notice that tropical flavor that I was expecting from it. So comparing it to that, I really think that this Tropical Storm IPA is one of Serenac's better beers that they put out recently yeah i know i like it a lot i would definitely get the whole 12 pack of this mm-hmm. it's um again again as we've said a thousand times before on the podcast it's people brewers have done so much with ipas it's becoming really hard to reinvent the wheel on it and i think and i almost think it's like just pick something different and yeah move on but i think i think with this it's they did a great job. They it definitely discerned itself from, like the the hops in it. Like it's definitely got a very. It is a very hoppy beer. Yep. But the hops in it aren't so like overwhelmingly like say like a West Coast hop style and citrusy citrusy style that would 
dominate and overpower the other citrus flavors and fruit flavors that they're trying to get in there. So I think if you're going to make this a style of beer like this, you kind of have to tone the hops citrus, you know, taste back so you can get those fruit citrus tastes even more so. Other Otherwise, it's just going to be all just blended and you're not going to make... Our, it tastes just like a West Coast IPA. And that was our complaint with Sierra Nevada when they did the sidecar. Yeah, the orange IPA. Yeah, which was an orange IPA, is you really didn't get that orangey flavor from it because that West Coast hop style was just way overpowering. Um, so I think that Saranac has really figured out the blend of how to make sure that that fruitiness, the, the mango flavor comes out rather than just overpowering with hops and just throwing like making sure that like all the hops are are in there and overloading the palate. So I think it's it's really good. Um check that out cuz it's in the summer pack right now. It's probably out wherever you are. I'm sure the summer packs are prominently displayed on all shelves now. So getting you raring to go. That's right. By July we'll have Oktoberfest out when it's 90 and you don't even want to even think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. All right. You ready to do some long weekend? We, no, because that means I gotta work. I know, right? <laughs> we uh, we aren't even close to a long weekend, but the next one is gonna be what Memorial Day weekend for us, for oh, me. Don't, don't even remember. Not for you, but for me. So, but anyway, uh, so long weekend, nineteen seventy eight Australian horror film, um, written by the same man who did Razorback, which is um, a movie about a, a killer boar. So very much in the same style. Everett DeRoche did, did both of those, wrote both of those. Now, um, when I think about it, I can only think of one other Australian film I've seen. Okay. Mad Max. Okay. The Mad Max franchise. Well, off the, off the top of my head, because... Um, you know, obviously Mel Gibson's Australian and uh, George Miller... Yep. Australian, so I mean, the Mad Max. For, I mean, maybe I have seen other Australian. I'm films, sure you have, but I, I just when well, you, when you think of, I mean, and to be fair, when you think of film, it's not uh, Australia isn't the one that you. It's not you, you know. run to, but <laughs> but I mean, there was it was a bigger part of the 70s again with exploitation. Um, just like it was kind of the thing at the time, it, probably more so. In that decade, but when he, in well, the eighties, then then any any time else, there was oh, there was these, you know, all of these countries getting into that sort of exploitation. Well, I mean, style. I would, one, I would not consider Long Weekend an exploitation. Film. It's not really, but and but two, I mean, the seventies is a very unique period in film. It, it's to, to me, it's probably the pinnacle of. Film, you, yeah. you probably got some of the best films ever made. I mean, if you think about it too, and this is showing kind of like my biases, my bias here. But Francis Ford Coppola probably made four of the greatest films of all time, all in the seventies: mm-hmm. Godfather, Godfather Part Two, The Conversation, and Apocalypse Now. And then you know, you know, Scorsese, like so, like you, like this, yeah. And not only that, not only that, but I mean, like I think overall the decade just. It to was. Me, it was a big decade. Yeah, absolutely. You had a level of freedom. It was like the Renaissance. It, no, it, no, you're, you're exactly <laughs> no, you're exactly right because it's 
films that got made then will never see the light of day today. True. Just wouldn't. They either wouldn't be funded or... Because they're too out there. Yeah. But, you know, again, you think about it and it's like... Well, in Long Weekend is really a film that is out there. I don't know that we would... I mean, obviously there was a remake of it. That, well, that's because it's got cachet to it already. So right, already... exactly. Yeah. But I don't know that we would see a film like this film now. The, one of the main reasons is that Long Weekend is a very slow film. It, it is, is a slow burn. And it's an hour and a half. Uh-huh. It's so a, it's not a long film, but it it, it is a sl- slow burn. It's it, a super it, you, slow. It uses its time. It does. Um... I'll go over the, the the plot of it real quick before we really get into that. But it, it basically it follows uh, this couple who are um, going out on a camping trip into where they think is a, a well-known beach um, that they're going to stay at. It's kind of a getaway for both of them. Um, you got Peter, Peter and Marcia who are you know kind of struggling is in their relationship. Is it Marcia Marcia? No, it's Marcia. He clearly says Marcia in it. Uh, yeah, it's sometimes it's not yeah. Marcia. Yeah, sometimes it does, but he does say Marcia. Um, you have both of them who are really kind of struggling, and throughout the film, you the, you kind of get these hints that like, okay, something's something happened, wherein you know something happened to Marcia, and they even mention like you know what if I had died, um, you know stuff like that. So you know there's something going on, and there's always. Um, this reference to sound really like crying. Um, so they go out on this, this kind of long weekend together on the beach. They're, they're the only ones there. They're alone. Not really having a great time because Marcia really doesn't want to be there. Peter really does. He likes clearly like surfing. He likes, you know, hunting, uh, drinking a lot of beer out on the beach, frolicking in the sand. Um, and so really long weekend for, a lot of the running time focuses specifically on both part Peter and Marcia. There's no one else in this film, really. Besides a couple of extras that you see just briefly, very, very quickly, there's no one else in this film. So really, it's up to Peter, who's played by John Hargraves, and uh, Marcia, Brienne Bet- Behetz. Um, Which, by the way, the opening credits make it look like... <laughs> John Hargraves and uh, Brioni Behetz is they one are person, the same person. Because so they, got... they don't split between the two. So it looks like your lead in this is John Hargraves, Brianna Betts. Like, that's, yeah. Oof. That's a long name. What? Yeah, they don't do a good job of like you know, separating that. Who but... else is in this? The Duke, <laughs> the Duke of Wellington? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, like, Peter and Marcia, they're really, I mean, that that's really the focus of this film for, for a long portion of it. And then obviously you get those kinds of, like, cut-ins suspenseful moments where obviously there's something out in the wilderness but really there's you know the uh direction on this by colin eggleston he's it's very minimal um really short bursts of things that happen um so there's a sound and that's that's it for that part of the scene you know that's that's the suspenseful part of it there's a sound maybe a synth sting and off you go on yet another, you know, tangent with uh, Peter and uh, Marcia, who who are arguing pretty much the entire time. So it's a slow film. I I, I absolutely will agree, but I got to say up front, 
I really like this film. I recommended it for the podcast. Um, it's good to start out spring with something <laughs> like this, with an animal's attack film. Um, so I was, I, I saw yeah, you get, yeah, second guessing your camping plans for the summer. Yeah, that's right. So I, I, um, I saw this when Synapse Films released it on Blu-ray last year and I just, I loved it when I saw it, um, watched it at night by myself and I definitely found some of the scenes pretty eerie, especially, you know, watching, um, so let's talk about that the slow burn of the film. I mean, do you think it's fair within the context of this film that it is so slow that the direction is just, you know, kind of plotting? Yeah, no, I, I find it to be fine. Um, I think if you made it faster pace, it wouldn't work Mm -hmm. because what's, because everything that happens in this film is like a very slow action until, until like the very end. Where every it's every everything that happens like the last five minutes is sudden, so everything else that happens is you know is base, you know just building and building and building upon the tension between the characters themselves. So if you try to throw in some kind of like fast paced action or something, it just wouldn't work. Right. The whole premise, and to me, what makes the film work is the idea of that. Basically, you could say it is, okay, when animals attack film. Mm-hmm. You could also look at it as it's a just relationship battle between mm-hmm. these two people. And when the animals attack thing is just in the background, it's kind of a yeah. forethought and consequence of, you know, them being shitbags of human beings and being shitty to themselves is what causes them to do the stupid things that may have nature attack them. Mm-hmm. If they weren't like that, you they wouldn't probably run into that problem. So, I, you, you know, you could say, you know, the evil that's supposed to be portrayed in this film is them themselves and not their surroundings. And Yeah, I mean, I think that with what um, Eggleston as director... And also Everett DeRoche, as as the writer, is trying to do here with this slow pace is really create these characters to give them some depth. Because I think we've all been there with someone who, you know, you're together for a long time in maybe a stressful situation. In this case, they're alone together on a beach, you know, kind of just surviving out in the elements. And you're really grating on each other. Like, you're really... Both of you are kind of being shits to each other. Mm. And you kind of realize it. And obviously in Long Weekend, they're not always constantly fighting. There's some scenes where they rectify, you know, their relationship. They they have some good times. But then again, there's always that time where you've spent so long together. You're kind of out there. Uh, things are stressful. Things are kind of spooky, obviously, because you're alone um, in the wilderness. And you're, you're just getting on each other's nerves. And I think for a long period of time, long weekend builds on that. It's like saying, look, these there's these two people and they're growing apart even as we watch them. Is this really supposed to be a vacation for them to come together? Even though Peter realizes that Marcia hates going out in the wilderness. So there's a, there's that kind of dichotomy too of like, even when you first meet these characters, you really don't like them. 
Peter, no, there, there's nothing likable about I, I, them. In normally in that scenario, you're thinking like, well, this movie's not very good because like I don't like any of these. You know, these characters aren't very likable. It's a very stereotypical horror thing to do, where it's yeah. like, you know, obviously in the Friday Thirteenth movie, you know, by like the sixth one. Everyone's fucking unlikable, so you just be like, kill him off, Jason. Let's you know go. But in this, there's there's a reason. Yeah, and... I think there's there's definitely a a method to making them unlikable, and obviously they become even more unlikable as you watch the film because sure, there there's kind of that you know Peter is obviously somewhat of an asshole, mansplaining everything and. Driving off in his convertible, cutting people off on the throughway in the beginning of the film. Um, but also, you know, you have Marcia, who is not perfect either. She is not willing to give this weekend a chance at whatsoever. Doesn't want to do it point blank. Total cunt. Yeah, I mean, she just really, she just really is not open to this at all. And obviously, she is going through some emotional issues, as you learn later when. They actually bring up explicitly the fact that she had an abortion. Um, but at the same time, like, there's just no, not, she's not even trying at that point. So, as the film goes on, you really start to l- dislike both of them more and more. I think even at the beginning of the film, you're a little, little bit more connected to Marcia. Because of the way Eggleston portrays Peter. You get that initial moment at the beginning of the film where he's obviously just an asshole. He's hopping his, you know, yeah. jump, you know, he's got a sports car and stuff open, and he's jumping over and, you know, cutting the guy off in traffic. Yeah. And he's got his gun, and he takes it out and, like, you know, points at her, you know, looking through the scope and puts it away. Yeah, no. He's clearly unlikable. I mean, you're not really rooting for him at that point anyway. Um, but then, like, Ten Man Slayer on, like, the car drive, like, you're not rooting for her either. Because, again, she's a total bitch. She's just like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? She's clearly asleep, and he turns, like, the radio off, and she's like, I was listening to that. Yep. You know, it's like... But it's a per- it's a perfect <laughs> representation of, like, a relationship that is kind of soured over time. And you just... Now, everything that you do, every little thing, is just getting on the other person's nerves and you're like watching this dissolution of their relationship, even when this is a horror film where they're kind of just they're also targeted by the wild. But I think the other thing that's really important about Long Weekend, besides their relationship specifically, is how we see them interact with nature throughout the film. So as you know, even in the beginning of the film, when Peter drives off in his convertible, what's the shot that we see? Birds being disturbed. Because of his his uh, motor when he's revving the engine, um, you know we also see him chuck a beer bottle into the water, <laughs> just kind of pop the top, mm-hmm. drink a little bit, chuck it in the water, then drunken sh- asshole, and shoot it. Yeah, shooting his yeah, shooting his gun off at whatever. Um, there's definitely that thematic resonance here of they they're not treating nature well. Even in the beginning where he kind of just runs over a kangaroo and, eh, I, I guess I hit it and that's it. There's I like, mean, to be fair though. What do you do in that situation? No, um, I mean, no, to be fair, I've hit a deer before. Mm-hmm. I've been in a car when you hit a deer. It's not like, 
was when you hit a deer, it's like not like as soon as you hit the deer, you get out of your car going like, "Oh, is the deer okay?" You're like, "Oh, my fucking," be-, you know. True, that's true, <laughs> and it's and it's not to you know be like an asshole, but it's not like you're like. But first off, you're like, "Is everything you're like? Am I okay?" Is like if someone's in the car, are they okay? Then you're like, "Okay, great." Now let's see what the damage is, and after that, then you're gonna be like, hey, "Where's the deer going?" Yeah, off? it's true. I mean, your always your first reaction is never to think about the wounded animal, which is kind of interesting because if you hit a person, you probably would be like, "Fuck that person." Well, there's there's laws for that. <laughs> there's manslaughter laws <laughs> yeah. for that. But you know, there's no, there's no you know venison I mean, slaughter. I'm but. not saying that every uh, atrocity done to animals in this film is, you know, rec- no, but it's obviously by. No, but it's obviously an accident. Mm-hmm. And even in this film, when he hits the kangaroo, it's an accident. Granted, it's kind of made funny by the way, like the fact that the kangaroo he hits is a pretty damn decent-sized kangaroo, but he hits it like it's, you know... Yeah. Like it's not a... Boom, like a... Like oh, a... Skunk. Or, yeah. yeah, like a skunk or like an orange cone or something yeah. that just bounces off the car just and... Boom, and slide, and then somebody else hits the damn thing. Yep. Did they... Did, did nature track down that other person? Who knows? Well, I think <laughs> that it's it's more so... Like I said, I don't think like every scenario is meant to say like well this is you know building up on his tally of like when nature comes back and says well you fucked up too many times and uh no but i think like as you go along you kind of see i think it's just like putting that frame of mind there like okay well he hit a kangaroo Uh, yeah unavoidable accident but then he threw a bottle into the water not necessary. And then he shot a bunch of birds just for the fun of it while he's drunk. And then he started shooting uh, uh, do, do, uh, a dugong in the water just because. Uh, so, you know, I, I mean, I think that all starts to add up um, to the point where it kind of um, comes to a head when Marcia has the eagle egg. And she chucks it at the the tree. I mean, I think that's when all hell breaks loose, to be honest with you. But it's also symbolic. And I like that about the film, is that this isn't just a film that is like, well, let's put two people in the woods and, you know, see what happens when a bunch of animals attack them. There, It's a very... It's a brooding film. It's, it's an unhappy film. It's very much like... Dark and melancholy. You're not supposed to feel good or even, you know, having... You're not really even having fun with the film so much as you're like, mm, it's kind of dark and pitiful, miserable. And I, I don't know, I like that. I'm drawn to that. Like running over that crab and listening to go... Well, in this case, in the 70s, very lax, very lax animal rights laws here. <laughs> Uh, there's one film, uh, that I recently watched, recently released by Severin Films, called Wild Beasts, clearly depicts rats being set on fire at the end of the film. No animals were harmed in the making of this film. It was very lax times for what you could do on camera with animals. Uh, apparently rats are not considered (laughs) animals at that point, but they are very clearly set on fire in that film. So yes, and it's not like long weekend is not one of the, it's not like 
outrageous. Not like Cannibal Holocaust by any means. Uh, not even like Wild Beasts where rats are set on fire. There's only one crab that's like actually run over by a car. Who's to say that it even was killed? I don't know. Um, I don't think that that kangaroo scene was real, but no, that no, I'm pretty sure it's not. No, if it, they fucking hit that, no, they would have left a dent, a pretty good dent in that. No, I'm saying not not the car itself when the car hits the kangaroo, but the the second part where it's run over again. No, that I I'm pretty sure that would have hard to say, but like I said, seventies relaxed time for what you could do with animals. Now now today. It's last time, period, with what you can do yeah. on film. <laughs> now, today, you're not going to get away with that, but back then, yeah, you you could. Oh, um, God, no, before uh, you had that one film, like, about, that recently came out about... The, oh, yeah, The Dogs. Yeah, yeah the yeah. A Dog's Life, or yeah. whatever that was called, a do- yeah. You had PETA yeah. screaming about, you know, the do- like, the dog was afraid to jump in, but the trainer threw it into the water anyway. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, um. Yeah. So, so I, this would not fly. <laughs> no, it would not. No. But yeah, I mean, I think you definitely have like those those nature driven uh, issues that are brought up like more and more. They kind of stack on top of each other as the film goes through. Then you also see what kind of assholes they are to each other, where it culminates in that scene that we have featured at the beginning of the podcast episode. <laughs> along with the uh, inappropriate use of Holiday Road, wherein they're talking about the abortion, and it's pretty much, you know, back and forth bickering, and some very uh, disturbing remarks made about each person. They're they're not nice to each other. And, uh, you know, again, it kind of is that motivation for what happens. To, I mean, you're kind of, you're not... Rooting for them in the sense that you hope that they get eaten by animals, but at the same time, you're not really upset about it either. Um, so we talked a little bit in earlier about how the film has sort of a supernatural aspect to it. Do, do you see that, and do you like it? I see it a little bit, but no, I think it's tacked on. You mean tacked on in that people can see it in it, but it's yeah. not... not necessarily what Everett DeRoche had in mind when he wrote the screenplay or did he mean for it to have a supernatural feeling to it and I don't I I can't say which way what the writer's intent was maybe I'm just being a fucking idiot on it I don't exactly know if the supernatural I mean like I, I can see where there'd be hints of it but to me, that's not the, like, the whole nature aspect of it isn't the interesting part of the film. The interesting part for me is between Peter and, uh, Marcia and their conflict. And I think, you know, just the whole, what happens to them is just a result of their conflict and their personalities. True. Um, I think that's, Like, you know, karmic? Yeah. Almost? Which, I do think that's intended. Yeah. But I think that's that's more interesting then. Like, like the whole, like, fucking eagle coming and, <laughs> and attacking them, at, you know, because they have an eagle egg and, and all the other shitty stuff they've done. It's comedic because it's just, like, funny because get, Peter gets attacked by a fucking eagle getting bit and scratched and she's just looking at him like, oh, a fucking eagle's attacking him. And then the, he, like, shoots the eagle away and he's like, 
the English just attacked me. Yeah. And that's it. And they move on to the next scene. But it's like, it's funny. But I think that's like, that's a weaker part of the film. The, 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 you don't need that. Why? Because that, that's like literally like shoving in your face. Like, True. oh, you're being, it's you, probably you, were, the- you were being an asshole in nature by littering and hitting a kangaroo and shooting an innocent dugong because you thought it was a shark. Um, I think that, that weakens it because I think more if you just played on the suspense of their fear and their, you know, their, their fear and anger that you, then you can have just like have nature itself just be a backdrop to well, it that that serves them like you know they die in the wilderness because they're stupid and petulant and they don't know what the fuck they're doing true and it's not, and their situation is not helped by the fact that they're stupid and petulant in conflict with one another you know it makes sense for marcia to like meet the fate that she meets just without the like having an eagle swooped down, and in the same, in the same thing with uh, Peter's fate too. Like I, 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 like so. I don't think kind of tacking on this. Like, and remember, kids, only you can protect. Uh, you know, prevent forest fires, and only you can stop littering. And I think you know, I think it's slight. It, it's in you know that it's intended, but I think it hampers the film. I think it hampers it more by the fact. That the idea of nature's getting their karma against these people for being shitty and being shitty towards nature, you know, towards themselves and towards nature, and it being like a supernatural act of nature taking, you know, the fight against them, I think it's tacked on, I don't think it's necessary, and I think it makes the film slightly corny and weaker for it. Not a lot, because I think the, the tension that you get in the character building that you get from... Peter and Marcia throughout the entire film is good enough, but I'm saying I think the film would be even better if they got rid of that element and just kind of relied more on being a thriller character study and the horror aspect coming from the situation that they're in, mm-hmm. like the because re- it's a you know a real situation. I don't know how many people listening have ever gone camping and you know and a- actual camping, not fucking taking an RV out and yeah. All that, but doing actual camping, and then that makes their situation and what they run into that much more impactful because it's because it's more something you can relate to. Well, I gotta admit that my question was a little bit baiting because I do feel like Long Weekend has it both ways. I do think that in some ways, Deroche wants you to to view the film and just think, yes, th- these were two people who really didn't know what they were doing out in the wild, even though. Peter is kind of well-versed in going, you know, camping and stuff like that. They're still in an area in a situation they don't know very well. See, Australian wilderness, wow. it's very pretty, it's, even if you know it well, it still can be dangerous. Especially how they show you, you know, this isn't just like some, uh, tourist attraction. This isn't, this is a place that no one really goes to. So, it, even the animals because, themselves because are not... I was say because when they stop at like the local gas station, yeah, they they don't know it. They've which never by, which by the way, why did they have that fucking close up on that guy's eyes? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, just peering out at them. 
Probably because are we supposed to gain from that? Like, ooh, maybe it's a slasher. Probably, yeah, it's a slasher yeah. film. Probably gonna... to uh, do a sort of slasher style in there. Yeah, but it, it makes no sense. It's good because yeah. you see him for that three that three minutes, and that's it. And it's like he unnecessarily like, oh, are we supposed to think this is gonna be a slasher film? And he's like, oh, I'm gonna kill all the kids on you know, yeah, on Australian Crystal Lake Beach. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, but I like I said, I think that um, you know you can view this as just. These people don't know what they're doing. They got out in the wilderness. And even everything that happens to them is still realistically plausible. Like, the eagle attacking, maybe it would. If it if you had its egg, maybe it would attack. You know, who knows? Everything else that happens, maybe they're just really bad at directions. So they keep going back around in the uh, the camp area where they are with the arrows on the trees. And they just don't realize that they're going around in circles. That could absolutely happen, getting, like, yeah. uh, off track and everything like that. Um, you know, you that the dugong in the water making, you know, screeching noises, certainly not out of place. If you've ever gone camping before and you, like, spent the night there, there's cer- always weird sounds that you hear out in the night um, that... In this case, I think the dugong scene and the, the the screeching and the crying is actually a really eerie scene. Not because specifically like it's scary, but if you've experienced it before, which I have, like if you go even out to the lake or something, you hear a loon at night. It's very eerie and very it's like spooky because you're out in the middle of nowhere. You just kind of hear that like like um crying sound or just around here coyotes or yeah just around here coyotes it's it's an eerie experience um so i think it really resonates in that scenario at the same time though you you can also argue that there is that supernatural aspect and i think DeRoche wants that too i think he wants that sort of feeling that in some way there is that nature attacking and and specifically choosing this couple because of the way they've been acting um i don't think it's necessarily a weakness um, just imagine, I think it's just, just an extra added theme to this film. Just imagine if Jaws, the shark was motivated by like supernatural. Well, the Jaws, in Jaws though, it is kind of not supernatural, I guess I wouldn't say, but certainly not super realistic either. No, it's not. There's but definitely it's a, a no, phenomenon at play in No, that. but there is, but it's not like super, supernatural. Like no. something, it's just... It's a, pl- I mean, in our minds, that's a plausible idea of a because sh- we're n- naturally, a, you know, prone to look at sharks and be like, that's, you know, yeah, stay away from Don't that. Don't mess with that. Yeah. But I guess. But, I mean, so that, so that makes sense. So the idea of a man, you know, a man eating shark that's been terrorizing a town because it's, it lives in the local waters, it's not really supernatural. I mean, it is a little bit, but it's not, like, out of the realm. A possibility. A possibility. Yeah, I, I see that. Like, But neither is but, anything that happens in Long Weekend. It, not, none of it is out of the realm of possibility. The only thing that really makes me come to the conclusion that the supernatural element was just a little bit intended was is because of the dugong. Because the dugong... Is moving. Is moving throughout the film. It, it creeps up the... The beach, which I think is a really effective s- sequence. I think that c- keep coming back to that each time, that dugong, is really effective. 
Although you could also blame it on the the lo- loss of sanity of our characters too, because they're not really in their right minds at that point. They're very agitated and anxious with each other, and also this, yeah, also this scenario. So there's you know there's that multiple aspect to it. Like, do we believe our characters here that they're actually seeing this dugong move up the beach or? You know, is it really in their heads that it was dead all along? Um, I think that's like an interesting concept. Plus the ethereal crying that is always coming from like the the sea. I think it's very interesting in that it's also symbolic. It's metaphorical. It's uh, a reference to the baby crying after the abortion. Is that in her head? Is that in their heads? No, that. I'm not saying that's not interesting. I agree. That's a great point. I just don't think you need that, like, tinge of supernatural. Mm-hmm. Make it more about them and their own but psych- I think, and their, and their own psychosis. But I gotta disagree because I think that is about them by, by adding those elements to it. I think that is. You know, because, like I said, you never really know if it's... I mean, obviously it would be a shared psychosis if they're both hearing that sound, but you don't know that either. You don't specifically know that it really seems like Marcia is the one that's hearing the sound and it's not really Peter that's hearing it that much until at the end until at the end so you you never really know I mean I, th- I think it really does leave some interesting questions and really brings that symbolicism home of like this this trip out is very much symbolic of that abortion that occurred and you know their inability to overcome it like, they, they cannot get over it. And that's a lot of what happens in their relationship, too. First of all, Marcy is unable to overcome the fact that she had the abortion, even though she didn't have to have it. She made the decision on her own to have it after cheating on her husband, Peter. And because Peter was never consulted, he can't get over it either because he may have wanted the, the baby. So it's a very, it's like a, it's that wall that they can't cross over. And I think that them going to this beach, it just kind of reiterates that plus you have the whole ending where there's the accidental shooting of marcia which was kind of foreshadowed at the beginning of the film when the uh, when the spear gun goes off accidentally um you know she's accidentally killed when peter mistakenly fires off his spear gun into the dark not knowing what's there thinking it's probably an animal or something coming to attack him you know, you always have, there's, there's always that, that feeling that you can't shake that maybe that was intentional. Maybe you did know there's, you know, again, there's that mental moment, the psychology of it too, wherein you have to question, like, do we believe our characters? Do we believe everything that we're being shown? Um, I think that all works in long weekends favor because you can watch this film and you can say nothing really happened. You know what I mean? You could watch. For it was a, the long weekend. Yeah, an hour and 37 minutes and be like, well, that was a long movie, but nothing happened. But at the same time, a lot does happen. And you kind of don't realize that until you really t- step back and take a look at what happens and how they build the psychology of this. Um, what's interesting to me is that I saw DeRoche's Razorback before I saw Long Weekend. But Razorback was released in 1984, so it's actually a newer film than Long Weekend. And I did not like Razorback. It's it has this very a very similar style, very slowly paced. Um, you know, the boar isn't really the main focus of the film. It's other 
aspects of it. So I am curious to see if I go back and watch Razorback, will I like it a lot more now that I kind of appreciate Long Weekend for, for the film that it is rather than trying to lump it into just a straight horror film. It's very interesting. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Actually, I want to talk a little bit about the soundtrack, which I think is, you know, we kind of try to bring that up in every episode, but I think that soundtrack is really interesting. Um, it's got a kind of simplistic synth element to it. It's it's a very quiet film for the most part. The only time it really uses any, uh, any sort of soundtrack is just for, uh, musical stings and for... Building up to, not jumps, scares, but like false scares. Like you're something like you're supposed to like be thinking, like, oh, what's gonna happen? And like, right. oh, oh, it's just Peter walking in. Yeah. Um. Other than that, it's very minimalistic. But I will say it works very well. I think the the use of stings, uh, the synth stings throughout the film are is very good. That it's not overused and it's. Sets, you know, the kind of, the right tone and the right uh, frame of mind for what's going on within the scene, so. I think that, too, the the false stings are really important because, because again, almost all the film is just building and building the tension. Yeah. So it's... Like, it's it's really Eggleston as a director, like, putting these ideas into your head and then not not capitalizing on it. Yeah. It's, you know, you're getting that false suspense wherein finally at the end of the film, you're not kind you're kind of not ready for it to be so fast paced at the end where, you know, there's that whole, pretty much the last 15 minutes or so is all the chase sequence wherein Marcia is killed after driving off with the, the uh, Nissan Jeep and, Peter's left alone at the camp and kind of, you know, nervous and scared running away from a lot of different animals that are, you know, around at that time. So I think it works in that way because it throws off your expectations of what's going to happen. A lot of those things go nowhere. Yeah. Um, even really short moments where, like, the, there's just, like, one note played on the synth. Just like a kind of, and that's it. Very quick in and out moments. But I think it works really well. And in some cases, it might seem like it's un, almost unfinished with the soundtrack. But I, I think here, they use it to its advantage. So. No, I think in this one, less is more. Yeah, I absolutely. think I think if you had it like scored throughout, it would ruin the, the mood and the tension. I, I think from using... Score only when you really need to build a, either tension or a false sense of tension is what, yeah, you know, when that works when, the best. What makes it good, you know, obviously, if they're just sitting down having breakfast and talking, and you got some kind of whimsical score in the background, yeah. it's going to kill. <laughs> it kind of kills the mood. A <laughs> it's kind of yeah. So I think, I think in this one, si- you know, silence is. Is best, yeah, and I, th- I they use discretion, and I applaud them for it because it works fantastically. So, what do you think about this film? Do you think like a lot of like eh, viewers would appreciate this film, or is this kind of one that is only for a certain uh, mindset, like people who 
you know, are really open to like slower burns or horror films that don't really have the scares that you expect. I would recommend this film for mainly I would recommend before horror fans, I would recommend this for thriller fans. Mm-hmm. Cause again, I think it's got the way it's paced, the way it's set up as a, as a slow burn. I think it works more as a thriller than a horror film. So I think if you like, if, if you're into thrillers and you like to see slow burns and character development, you will like this film. Uh, and if you, and if just out of a curiosity for the sake of horror, I would recommend it too, just because of how unique it is and how, especially today with how the horror genre is so fixated on either, you know, something supernatural with like a paranormal activity or a slasher film. This is something totally unique and within kind of both genres, thriller and a horror. So I, I, I would recommend it to fans of those two genres. But if you're just like a casual fan of horror or like contemporary fans, of I, I, I wouldn't yeah. recommend, um, just because I think people just wouldn't ha- will not have the patience for it. I, I believe that. I, I think that's true. Um, like I said, I don't think it would be a film that would really work today. Um, I don't see that many fans of theatrical horror, like that's being released right now, I they definitely, they would, they would, there's just not the patience for this to work itself up to where it ends in the conclusion. I, I don't think that there would be enough patience to get there. I mean, with that said, that conclusion is a very surprising and out of the blue moment that I think works really well in this case because Long Weekend has worked so hard to kind of defy your expectations that at the end you're kind of just not really knowing what's going to happen until that surprise truck scene comes out of nowhere blast right through our our uh, main character um but yeah i i don't this is not a film for everyone i i don't i don't see this film having a huge fan base to be honest with you i don't think it's like a, a cult classic in the sense that like a lot of people have will eventually gravitate right to it yeah i don't and, think they realize its brilliance you know yeah i don't think that like even synapse probably had a huge number of sales with long weekend it's just not it doesn't have well again it doesn't help itself either that it, like i said it's an australian film and like true yeah. and as i said outside of the mad max franchise it's not like again people are poking around to like oh kind of Australian films can I watch? Uh, that alone kind of, you know, is a kind of a knock just because again, it's, you yeah. know, I mean, what, what, what was the release? Like, did it get even released in America at the time when it came out? Or was it, it's hard to say. I, th- I believe it did, but it, they're saying it had a, a 1979 release in the USA. So it probably did get released in the U S but I don't know how much, you know, fanfare or anything like that I had. But I mean, I mean, it's definitely a film. Like, even though you call it when an animal attacks film, I wouldn't even say it's that. Yeah, because it's that's very minimal and a very a, a, a crucial part, but it's a small part. Yeah. Um. 
I, like I said, I think it's more of a just a psychological character thriller drama. True, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, and the tension that comes from it, and then everything else that happens. But yeah. So I mean, even though you're right in defining it the way you define it, I'd still say it's a it's a very loose. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah, it's not in the same sense as like Piranha. Yeah, where it's obviously yeah. or, or anaconda, <laughs> yeah, or something like that. Great legged yeah. freaks, yeah. Arachnophobia, nothing like that. Ooh, that's you know. Now I think about it. What arachnophobia? You know who's in that? John Goodman. You know who else is in that? Um, no, Jeff Daniels. Is he really? Can't remember that, but I'm pretty sure Jeff Daniels is in that. I don't know. Um. <laughs> So out of ten dugongs, what would you give Long Weekend? Um, I'd give it a seven and a half. Seven and a half? Um, he is in it, by the way. Told you. Yep. Yeah. He's the main star. Yeah. That's right. Uh, and yeah, John Goodman's just uh, yeah. Yeah, he's just like a repairman or something. Yeah, you know, he's the exterminator. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie. I actually. spent a long time. Yeah, I've seen that. But uh, getting off. Track, yeah, but, but um, but yeah, no, I'd give it a seven and a half. I think, like I said, I think I like it, and I do like its. I do, I do appreciate the slow burn. I do like the setup. I like the premise. I think more the idea, though, of it kind of being like, is it supernatural or not? I think that definitely. I think that alone is like a point and a half off on this film. This could easily be like a nine. For me, but I think that question of like is it or is it not, it's just it's just totally unnecessary. I think if you let like left it up to the fact of it them just being shitty people and them having a shitty experience out in the woods, and then what happens is because of their own co- accord, though maybe slightly hinted that you know it's karmic, you know like with the whole like are they going in circles? Don't make it like. Are they intentionally, you know, unintentionally going in circles, or is it because of like spooky nature? Mm-hmm. Uh, that to me is just like, don't, don't fucking do that. Just make, you know, right. Just make it, make it so you question, like, are they actually going in circles, or are they not? Just leave it at that, and then you can decide. Well, maybe they were because you know they're not thinking right. The fact that you throw in the fact that maybe they're not. You know, that's nature and not themselves. I think that's, uh, that it's, it's negative to me. Mm. Um, that's just me. Yeah. I mean, I, I disagree. I like the supernatural aspect. I, I give it an eight and a half. I really do. I like that. It has those, that duality of the theme. Um, and I like, you know, that's just it's just my uh interpretation of it but i like that there's that ability to either say yeah it's just psychological you know it was a uh, mental issues that they were ha- dealing with uh within their stressful situation or you can also say you know there was some sort of supernatural nature element to it that but at the same but at the same time like i said i don't think it's necessary like you don't have to ha- have him like littering and it'd be like, oh, Mother Nature's gonna fuck you. Because again, again, if if they didn't go out into the woods 
for their vacation. If they went to like a hotel and whatever, they're still probably going to come to the same crossroads of like, we don't like each other. True. And we're not meant for each other. True. They're still going to find out at the end of the day when they're like sitting poolside drinking a margarita. Like, you know what? I fucking hate you and I fucking hate you too. It's not like if they actually did what, you know, Marcia wanted to do and do that, like, they would have been like, wow, you know, yeah, what a wonderful life. Because you already see even before they go out into the, you know, on their vaca- long weekend into the nature that they don't, you know, yeah, things aren't going well, so. No, I'm not arguing that point, but I just, I like that aspect of it. I, I like the supernatural elements. I think that it's, it adds, it adds eeriness to it. That you get from, you know, just even the dugong creeping up the, up the sand or the, the crying. Um, yeah, I, but do I, you, but do you think like what they like are as people is like deserving of their fates? Deserving of like, after what they do to nature? Is that you mean? Nature and themselves. Do I think they're deserving of it? Because um, obviously you're not supposed to feel sympathy for them. Yeah, because they again they are shitty people. But at the end of the day, do they deserve to? No, I mean I don't know that you're even supposed to feel like they deserve it. But it's more of like this the moralistic side of it. Like, well, they're obviously yeah. getting punished though. So because yeah, so I mean again, I'm not sa- well, I'm not saying they're good, and I'm not saying they're likable. But I'm saying at the end of the day, it's not like it's not like. What they did, like, did to no, each true. other and to n- nature throughout their experience is worthy of what their of their karma. No, but I, I wouldn't say that that's a necessary outcome of, like, when you watch a movie and, the, and people die in it. Like, I'm not going to watch any of the Friday the 13th sequels and think, like, well, they had sex, so they obviously deserve to be killed off by Jason. But at the same time... You also, I mean, they don't have to be deserving of it for it to happen and there still be a moralistic aspect of it. Like in this case, you don't have to think like, well, you know, throwing a bottle into the water equates to like, ah, they need to be murdered. Well, and but I mean, you can also see how it's kind of like an exaggerated fable. Well, that's true. But I was going to say, if you are kind of going moralistic, you kind of have to make the punishment on like a sort of even keel it doesn't you don't really have to worry about that in the friday the 13th movies because it's not like they're being punished jason's just a serial killer so true but yeah, i mean they are being punished in a way they're being punished for all of the camp counselors before them who had sex and then ignored jason be- drowning in crystal lake so it is a i mean even that's when jason's mother is is uh, in his head, she's saying punish. So, I mean, I, I it's not really an important aspect of it. Like, we just disagree. I, I like the supernatural element to it. You don't. It's, that's, that's totally fine. It, it just is different. But I think, again, that just shows how Long Weekend works for different people, too. Like, if you like the supernatural aspect, I think you'll really, really enjoy watching Long Weekend and see how that comes out in the film. If you don't, though, you can also kind of ignore it and just not really see it as a supernatural aspect and just say, no, this actually just happened to them. They're not, you know, they they were not well adapted to the wild at that point. They tried to do something that they really weren't good at. 
uh, just like when you see the van that has apparently rolled into the ocean, um, you know, they had seen the van on yeah. the beach and then the, then it was in the ocean. You know, you could see that as those people suck too. And they, <laughs> you know, it's not a hospitable place for them to be in. So, you know, they messed up, they rolled in the ocean. I, I think that you can see it both ways. I, that's why there's that versatility to long weekend where I think multiple viewers will enjoy it and find different things to like about it. We'll see with that one. And then you get to see the campsite being abandoned. Um, Yes, yeah. I mean, I, that, you know, is obviously hinting more toward a supernatural thing. Because because you don't know their circumstances. They could have been just fucking good, you know. True. Regular old camp, you know, family camping. Like a they, cursed area. Yeah, yeah like, it, a cur- I would, yeah, no, you're right. I would lean more to, like, the supernatural and the cursed area type thing. Because there was obviously, like, a children's, like, tea party Set up for like a kid. Yeah. But again, so, though, you can so, also. So you don't really know what that, you know, there's obviously yeah. they could have not been shitty people, and that's just. You could also make the, uh, like, the uh, assumption, though, that maybe something happened there where he had a guy that killed his wife and then pushed the van into the. You know, you don't, mm. you don't know. So, like, again, you could see it as supernatural. You could see it as not. It, it just, you know, it's another event that happened that you're, or maybe they're going crazy still. Yeah. And he didn't, he yeah. didn't actually see the van and it was always in the water. Yeah. Or, you know, you don't, you don't know. So you could see it any way that you want to. And I think that's, it's not in the case where it's like, I, I don't know what's going on. You know, this is totally open to, open to interpretation. It's open to interpretation, but within a limited sense. Like, yeah. you can you can gather a couple different things from it. So, I like that quite a bit. So, anything else you want to add about Long Weekend? Before mm-hmm. we wrap this up? No, I think that's... Uh... I, I, it's really an enjoyable film. Um, I encourage everybody to check it out if you have not seen it before. It's it's, pro- it's not one of those films that, you know, you, you really come across that often. Um so, but Synapse Films has released it on Blu-ray. Looks really nice. But what it was very, uh, very good transfer. Obviously, you know, it's an older film, so it's gonna have. It has quite a bit of grain in it at times within the, you know, like uh, exterior shots. Um, but looks really good for its for its age. So check that out from Synapse Films. Um, next week, it's gonna be Alien Day on four twenty six. And we are actually recording on Alien Day because we always record on Wednesdays for a Thursday podcast release. So we are covering Aliens. Ryan's never seen it. I have never seen Aliens. It's kind of a blasphemous statement. I've seen Alien and I've seen Alien 3. And I said I've seen Alien 3 like 15 times because I used to watch it over and over again. Um, Even though it's really not a good movie. (laughs) It's really, really not a good movie. Um (laughs) But I've never seen Aliens, so it'll be interesting because Aliens is actually the inspiration for Alien Day because it takes place on 426. LV 426, but still, 426. That's that's where Alien Day gets its name. What will we think? Is it going to be like Terminator, where we think Terminator is better than Terminator 2? That's really an interesting thing because I've heard a lot of different things about Alien and Aliens. Um, they're two, they're very different well, films. Well, like I said, like Terminator and Terminator Two, different film. Though Terminator, Terminator Two, both done by James Cameron. Ridley yep. Scott obviously did Alien. James Cameron did Aliens, which uh, Aliens more horror. 
aliens action. So we're going to see. Is it, is, are we going to fall on like the same Exactly. Spectrum? I'm really curious to see because I, I, I like Alien a lot. And obviously I adhere more towards horror. horror. But I'm curious to see how I feel about aliens. I know I know a lot of people like aliens more than Alien, so most do. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting because I've I've never seen it before. So like I said, it's it's like Terminator and Terminator Two. Most people like love Terminator Two. I think it's better than Terminator. And we'll see if that's the case with Alien and Aliens. I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, to finally see it. So. We're going to do that next week for Alien Day. Are you sure you don't want to do like Alien vs. Predator? No, I <laughs> saw that in theaters. I don't need to see it again. Yeah. No, we don't We don't need to do that one. We'll do the traditional aliens. We'll go with that one. But I am I'm Prometheus. Excited. Well, you know, I I am interested in seeing Prometheus. I, actually, I haven't seen it. Before. I haven't seen it either. But I, I, even, I didn't even know it. it was a prequel until like after it came mm. out, and I saw like re- like reviews. You know, I think that probably a lot of people were disappointed with it just because it was not another alien. You know what I mean? It doesn't have the xenomorphs in it like some would expect from an alien film, and I think that's the source of disappointment. Like if you go in expecting to see a lot of xenomorph action within that film, then you're going to be disappointed because. It's a prequel to the yeah, Xenomorphs yeah. and what happens in Alien. So, yeah, of course, you're not going to see all of that happen. You're going to see the events that lead up to it. I mean, I, I like I said, we're getting a little off topic, but I, like I said, I didn't really watch the trailers for Prometheus. But when after it came out, I saw reviews. I'm like, oh, it's a sequel to Alien? I mean, a prequel to Alien? I have the same kind of question that I have with, like, most of these. So I was like, why 20 years are you, like, why bother? Just, just leave well True. enough alone. True. So that's where I, where, for me, when it comes to that film, I have, like, no interest in seeing it. Because it's like... I'm interested in seeing it. I also want to see Alien Covenant when that comes out, but... I don't know. I mean, I, I probably... I did see the poster for that. That looks pretty... It does look pretty cool. Because it yeah. actually goes back to the Xenomorphs. Yeah. So well, It looked like more of a horror route. It does, yeah. Because yeah. I, I saw on Facebook, there's, like, a... Uh, they had, like, a group thing of like posters for like upcoming horror films yeah and, you know like the new halloween film is like that looks awesome and like uh saw eight's poster actually doesn't look like dog shit yeah <laughs> and one of them was like alien uh alien covenant i'm like that actually you know looks uh yeah i think the poster does does look good does it justice so but we'll see we'll see next week we'll do aliens excited all right time for some administrative duties um, you can check us out on uh, iTunes. Obviously, it's where everybody pretty much always listens to their podcast episodes on there. Subscribe and review us. We really appreciate it. Uh, we're also on Stitcher, so you can subscribe on there and give us a review. Um, we're up on SoundCloud as well. That's where our episodes air first. You can catch us on Facebook, um, facebook.com slash blood and black rum podcast. Like us, comment. Do what you do on Facebook. We're on Twitter at Blood and Black Rum. Um, you can tweet us, and hopefully, you'll retweet all of our episodes so everybody finds us on there. Um, we have an email address, Blood and Black Rum Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you want to see on the podcast. We always try to work in advance with what movies we're going to cover, but if you have suggestions, please let us know. 
And uh, we also have a Patreon account. It's patreon.com slash podcast. That helps keep the podcast running. Um, that's a donation. So, and it's a donation every month. So keep that in mind. Uh, so if you donate $1, it's $1 a month every month. Um, but anything that you can uh, throw our way, we really appreciate. We also have some um, specific targets. Uh, if you donate that set amount, then uh, we'll do some special things for you. So <laughs> we're like cookers in that way. Um, so uh, check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash blood and black rum podcast. Donate what you can if you can, but we will always do this for free. So thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with our aliens episode for Alien Day. Take care. See you later.